Welcome to Daredevil Rewind. I'm Mose. I'm hosting, and I'm bringing back the man, the myth, Mr. America himself, Don Melton. Howdy. <laughs> and so just let's do a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Uh, yeah. Yes, there has been a delay in these episodes coming out. And initially, I was going to do episode by episode. And there was a group of fans that loved that. Then there were a group of fans that didn't like that. So based on time, getting people together, uh, we're doing a small staff tonight and doing three episodes, four through six, banging them out. Which is a really good set, actually. That is a very good arc to do for this series. And uh, we're still not supposed to talk about what follows, right? No, we no are. spoilers. No, no spoilers after six, right? Correct. Okay. So the things that you know now that ate at you, you have to keep still inside <laughs> of you. Sure, I'll, I'll let them boil away. I mean, it may have involved stick, but I can't. I don't know that for sure. I, I don't know that for sure. <clears throat> All I know is I I, uh, I remember the last when we did the first episode when um uh, uh which thank you very much for inviting me to that I'd actually only seen I think the first five or six episodes anyway, and you guys were giving me uh you and James were giving me a hard time about not you know, watching them all in one sitting. And I said, you know, I, I did that line, Gramps don't marathon. And then I actually watched the seventh episode, which we won't let, not cover tonight. And it has quite the cliffhanger too. And I was screwed. I basically watched, <laughs> right. I watched seven point, through the end right there. So right. you're in. Yeah. But this, <clears throat> this arc here, four through six is a very nice arc. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. So really, we begin, um, it's Penny, Penny and a Dime, and we really don't know what that means. I mean, it's Not kind yet. of an odd title. Yeah. And, and it, it becomes, we find out later, it's a nursery rhyme, but um, Grotto dies, and we're stuck in this world where Matt's kind of bound up with his guilt, but we also start setting up Frank the Tank uh, working, his, uh, working on his arm which is weird because we didn't know he was injured. Uh, yeah, it's a little unclear, but there was a lot of stuff flying around there in the, uh, the world-class vertical fight scene there at the end of three. Uh, but most of the stuff that happens to Frank, the Punisher, happens uh, before uh, Del uh, Daredevil takes the flight of stairs down to the, uh, the street level there. Um, but the the episode starts though with uh the Irish mafia, right? Indeed. And it this this character seemed like it it I thought it was going to be one of those the one of the big bad or sub bad of the entire season. I thought, yeah, you know, Finn maybe Cooley, maybe it was gonna, right. Yeah, I thought I thought the Irish were going to be a big deal. Um <laughs> it actually gets pretty reduced by the end of this episode and probably one of the most graphic scenes I've seen in Daredevil, like where you actually see uh, things happen. By the way, I, I didn't notice this until I was rewatching it, but you know, the first season 
of Daredevil was rated um, for age appropriate by Netflix. It's rated, you know, you have to be 15 years old to watch it. This one, season two, I didn't realize this because, you know, I'm like a grown ass man and stuff like uh, now, but uh, they raised it to uh, 18. And really? Yeah. And so, um, uh, boy, do you need that rating for this episode, <laughs> especially the scene you just alluded to? But we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Time. So Frank is setting something up. We don't know what that is. And then, you know, uh, we have Matt going and visiting Melvin, who's easily one of my little favorite characters. And, you know, saying, okay, is it ready? And here we have yet another new costume for Daredevil, which I really like. Yeah, it's the, it's the, uh, basically the, it's the new helmet, right? It's the new helmet. It looks like parts of it have been modified, you know, especially with the, the hand grips. Um, but it, it just, um, it's kind of just a little bit more slick and a little bit more kind of looking spandexy, but has some, you know, Kevlar, um, woven into it and more reddish eyes, which, I thought it was really a nice touch. And then we get to see a little bit of Melvin opening up his shirt, showing off that gladiator uh, costume again. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, not to give too many spoilers here, but Melvin comes back later in season two. And what he has for Daredevil that time, you don't want to miss. But we won't talk about that now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that could be. I don't know what, what that could be. But, you know, and, and as we're moving through, um, you know, this arc, there seems to be a, a a big split that happens. And without revealing too much at the end of this episode, but there becomes a um, a duality of Matt Murdock, one as the lawyer and one as Daredevil. And yeah, a, lo- a lot more than uh, in several other uh, episodes. And the thing I, I, I enjoyed about the episode is he's he's trying to piece himself back together again and put all this behind him. Uh, There's a head fake in this whole episode, the design of the episode where it's almost like the Hollywood ending, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But bang, uh, uh, to quote the title of the first episode, there's something uh, very, very surprising at the end. But, before we get to that, you know, uh, it, it's not just the Irish who want to try to gun for the Punisher. Uh, Finn Cooley who wants to avenge his son and get his money ba- back, frankly, that these knuckleheads lost. Uh, it's also has things like uh, Paige uh, really, this is where she starts to become Ben. <laughs> yes. She starts channeling Ben from the first season who was unfortunately killed. I really still upset with him for killing that character, but uh Ben Urich, uh uh who's um uh reporter um she really starts to do some big investigative why well, is it investigative lawyering, investigative journalism and just you know, being an investigator. I, you know, I don't know much about being a lawyer. And in this episode she actually goes to Frank Castle's house. Which, yeah. 
you know, it seems that seems really weird to me that that house would be just vacant the way it is. Yeah, and they never explained that. I and I I was like, well, wouldn't wouldn't the government goons that when she interviews that guy who talked about uh, you know Castle coming back from the dead essentially after his heart stopped and uh, wouldn't Reyes wouldn't everybody else know where he lived? Why wouldn't they have ransacked that place or just erased it from the ground? It just it just seemed odd that it was still there in this pristine form, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then then there's that's the kind of a de- hole. <laughs> yeah, and the the motion detectors in there, and so somebody's monitoring the house, and it's you know the big white panel van. Yeah. So maybe it is the the government goons, or maybe it is the the real big bad that we'll find out about later on, way past six. Uh, it's I I felt it was a little sloppy that didn't quite explain that, but the episode's so good that I'll give them that. And of course, while Karen is in there, she <clears throat> she discovers what uh, uh, one batch, two batch, penny and dime. What that comes from? Mm-hmm. That's uh, a little, little, little uh, storybook, right? And that's overlaid with um, Daredevil and the pun and Frank, the Punisher, having a conversation about that. But we're kind of getting a- ahead of ourselves there in terms of the uh, chronology. Um, before she, uh, before she goes into the house, she does find out. Uh, more about the Punisher, and she talks to Matt and Foggy about it because she got it was in episode three. She got those files slipped to her by the assistant district attorney, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Blake Tower, and she learns that who uh, the Punisher is. It, it's Frank Castle, which is also funny because Finn Cooley and trying to track down who killed all of his men, and he finds that dog that the Punisher took to his quote-unquote apartment when he sees the map and the tickets to the park you know stapled to the wall he knows uh, he's I think his line is oh that's who you are right so he knows who the Punisher is and then Paige knows who the Punisher is and uh, knows that he has the bullet in his head and of course she holds up the x-ray and it's real funny. It's the that's the Easter egg because the X-ray is X-ray of his head, and of course, it's the Punisher logo, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you know, but they I don't really, show I, it completely directly. But anybody who's ever read the comics knows that that's what that that is. Exactly. Right? And and you know, I really like the way in which they have done that in in, in even in season one with you know, logo types and things of that nature is like, it's not heavy handed. It's kind of, uh, grounded in a, in a reality that we all see, we love it. We know it, but it's, you know, it's, it is what it is and, and it makes everybody smile. Right. And it, uh, it, it is not, um, it is not 16, uh, 1960s era Batman, uh, bang, kapow, zap, uh, kind of horseshit. It's uh, uh, it just feels natural. Uh, but it's lots of nice winks and nods at the fans, and there's plenty of stuff in there, uh, like that. 
and, and here we find that Matt also then finds out like what's going on with Frank. He finds out there's a bounty that's been put on him by Finn through his uh, cop buddy. Yep. And I thought what was interesting there is, you know, he says, you know, you're on your own side um, and you're you're not real. We don't want your help. And he's saying, you know, wait a minute, you know, I want you to, you know, be the the agent of the law, not me. Yes. Which is another little split, which is, you know, I am who I am, but I want you the, well, yeah, the yeah, actual yeah, for- law. Before we get to that, let's let's talk about, you know, Frank going to the family carousel and getting taken hostage by Yes. by uh Cooley and his goons. He's taken back and tortured. Uh and I thought what was really great is when he's tortured, nothing's working on him until Cooley tr- uh threatens to torture the dog. Good to know Frank Castle is a dog lover. I love him a right there. Spot. He has a soft spot for the dog. But he he head fakes uh, Cooley into telling him where basically the bomb set of money is. And in true Joker fashion, uh, <laughs> Frank basically blows up the money and Cooley's men at the same time. You know, like, oh. let the world burn. But it's it's when uh, Daredevil figures out where he is and rescues him uh, that Daredevil also overhears uh, Frank saying uh, one batch, two batch before, uh, I believe, before he kills Cooley. Mm-hmm. And Cooley it just is. tortures him, you know, really awful shit. I mean, using a drill right through his foot and oh. and stuff. And he, and when... <clears throat> Frank finally gets the upper hand before Daredevil, quote unquote, rescues him. He's rescued himself and he tries to find out from Cooley who really killed his family. Cooley won't tell him. So Frank shoots him right in the face. And I mean, holy crap, they didn't cut away from that. He shot him right in the face. And basically I was like, what a special effect that was. And, you know, after I threw up on my shoes, uh, (laughs) I I look back up and uh, it it was a very interesting scene and it's an also interesting scene because Frank is obviously so injured and so beaten that Daredevil has the upper hand in saving him and prevents him from killing everybody else there and then drags him out and that's when when uh, uh, before Mahoney comes that's when uh, I I would say John uh, Bernthal has the soliloquy of all soliloquies in Daredevil, I think. Mm -hmm. It's right up there with the one. Remember the intro to uh, first season of Daredevil where um, uh, Matt Murdock is talking in the screen to who we find out is uh, uh, the priest, Reverend Lantham, and he does that you know, mile long, you know, talking about his dad and they've got the devil in him kind of stuff. The whole backstory right there for Matt Murdock. This is, uh, uh, and Charlie Cox had a marvelous job there. This is John Bernthal's chance to do that same kind of thing for the Punisher. And, uh, and it, it all starts because, uh, Daredevil asks him, what the heck does one batch, two batch mean? 
And yeah. I'm not. I, I I don't think we should spoil that. I think everybody should watch that episode, and it's it's totally worth it for Bernthal's performance, and the story, and the dialogue is so good. You actually think you've seen everything he's described, but you don't. It's it, it, it's these visceral images that are conjured up by the dialogue and the way he talks about his daughter. But it's oh, basically yeah. two guys sitting in a fucking cemetery, right? Yes. Yes. And and it's and it's cinematic anyway because it winds up being in your head. In a way, it's kind of like reading a book. But it it goes to the quality of the uh soliloquy and uh Brenthal's tortured delivery. I thought it was marvelous. And then that's when uh, the cops arrive, and uh, Daredevil has his uh, uh, the Dark Knight moment. You remember the end of the Dark Knight? Yes, yes, you know? yes, yes. Right, where it, you know, if you're long enough, you become what you have been hunting for. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, Batman says, you know, I'll, I'll become the villain. Right, I'll I'll become the bad guy. Uh, you know, he's 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 not the hero we. Uh, we want, he's the hero we need, that kind of stuff. Anyway. Now, just to go on Barathol just a little bit more. First of all, I loved him as Shane in The Walking <laughs> Dead. I mean, the guy is extremely talented. And that, the whole torture scene alone is real strong. But you get a, a good idea of this character is a thorough, long game planner. Because what he put in his arm was a friggin' razor blade. Yes. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't so much injured as preparing himself for that scene so he could escape because he knew he'd get captured, right? Evidently, he had he had it known that, you know, they're coming after me and I've got to be prepared, but I've got to be stripped down to what they can't see. Yep. So so anyway, uh so you have that and they haul him away and Daredevil watches from the top of the church church you know it's a classic comic book scene you know of uh, the punisher being hauled away and uh then he goes back and uh to i guess the bar the that's uh, right and that's they right. celebrate and they have the team moment you know him foggy and karen um uh uh karen page and uh then karen walks him home you know, obviously he's blind and he needs help. Uh, and they have that, you know, touchy-feely touchy moment in the rain when you realize they're probably going to take this to the next step in a relationship. It would seem obvious, right? And it's like the perfect ending to the season, which of course can't happen. It's episode four. And he goes inside his apartment. He gets out a beer to think about, you know, I've done a good job today kind of thing. And what happens, Phil? <laughs> uh, a lady from the past named Electra, right there on the couch. <laughs> and we knew she was coming. We 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 had hinted to it in, in season one, and here she is. Yeah. So that was a great way to end the episode. And what's funny is, uh, you know, a lot of times these, uh, whether it's Netflix or it's Hulu or Amazon, they don't always have, uh these long form 
television shows, they don't always have little encapsulated episodes. But Daredevil is a little different than some of the other ones. These are these are pretty darn I mean, they work on what the ending of an episode is. And that was pretty damn cool. Which brings us to episode five, and uh, which is title, which I thought was a great uh, title, uh, Kinbaku. Do you know what Kinbaku is? Don, I had it in my mind <laughs> earlier today when I was thinking about this. Um, said, I said, I know a guy that I'm going to talk to tonight that I'm going to ask, what does that mean? <laughs> Uh, well, it, it, it basically means, uh, it basically means, uh, bondage, uh, in, it's a Japanese style bondage, not just BDSM style bondage, but it's, uh, it's a kind of, um, an artful bondage. It's about tying things up and constricting them. And you know, the Japanese, they're kind of like. The weird stuff on the internet, you know, you usually find out, well, that came from Japan. Uh, so uh, that's uh, Kinbaku. And basically, that's kind of a metaphor, I think, in a way, for what Electra did to Matt. And boy, did she get her hooks in him in the past and even now, which really, again, here we go. Now that we have this this woman in the mix, and he just had his greatest like little night with Karen, this woman who is really the 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 personification of the the bad girl, but the one girl he really does love. Yes, and he starts to split between what he was and what he is. So it's almost becomes there's Matt Murdock, and then there's Daredevil. And you didn't think they could balance that out. You know, Matt could do that normally. Well, now it goes even further. So the whole thing about episode four was it looks like maybe he's figured out how to tie himself together. Electra comes in and blows it all apart. And then, you know, he's Mr. He's Mr. Split. Um, And uh, the nice thing is that a lot of what episode five is, what Kimbako is, it's a flashback. You know, they did that before in the first season, flashing back to when Matt and Foggy met. Uh, in a way, this is like this. And, it, you know, I think it starts off, the episode starts off with a flashback 10 years ago. And it's all about how uh, Matt and Electra meet. And it's, uh, it is very interesting. I was not expecting that. Uh, and the... The repartee was particularly good. Uh, and the repartee, uh, especially when they get to the uh, later on, I guess, as they develop their relationship, when they get to the gym, oh, the boy. repartee developing into full-blown sex. <laughs> and what's interesting is, again, like, this is the girl he has sex with, and... Then there's Karen, who he actually says, you know, at the end of the episode, um, you want to go to a date tomorrow night. You know, something he, something a little more wholesome that he would like to pursue in a slow and meaningful way. And then there's Electra, who's just hot, hot heat. Yeah. Now, getting back to the Electra thing, Electra is uh, 
is I think played just wonderfully by Elodie Young. And, but I know that there was a lot, there were a lot of fanboys out in the net who just hated her portrayal. To them, she wasn't Electra. And uh, what I got to say to them is just, you know, get over it. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, <clears throat> for me, it actually was a, was a great personification of the character, the complexity the the multiple faces of the character and the the self torment of that character um it, it's it's here you have this person who's very very enticing but is also uh, and we'll come to find out in later episodes also very fragile and frankly also very very dangerous uh so i i, I, I thought I her say. portrayal was terrific and her interaction with Charlie Cox, I get the feeling they cast her for uh, a couple of reasons. One, she is quite lovely. Uh, two, much like uh, Charlie Cox and John Bernthal are like consummate actors and really hit off each other. I thought Charlie Cox and uh, Elodie Young really worked well together in the scenes that we're in. And the other thing is, I did not know this until recently. You know, the woman studied karate for ten years. I mean, she actually is. <laughs> wow, she is what she claims. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so uh, she. Uh, you know, I I don't know what level belt she got or how deep she was into it, but she can actually get up and move around like that. So. I I was one of the fanboys that initially had issues. And I think the reason is because, you know, especially the Miller run of Electra, I'm used to visually seeing her in in that kind of red, not so much cat suit and and the bandana and the size. And so it just that kind of it was ingrained in me. However, Watching the show, I have to put those kinds of things down. Yeah. Um, but I think she is a great character. Now, I wasn't totally on board that she was Asian because I just wasn't ready for that either. But it makes way more sense as you move forward, I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it makes a, a a lot more uh, sense now. Uh, Elodie Young is is actually not Japanese though. Her her father was uh, Cambodian, and her mother is French. That's why you know later on in the series, big spoiler, uh, she does speak a lot of French, and that's obviously not something she had to sit and learn phonetically. I mean, she's <laughs> she's obviously fluent in French. <laughs> she grew up speaking it. Which is one of the things that gives her such a fascinating accent. But the other thing is the uh, uh, the multicultural uh, nature, uh, nature of her background. I don't know. It just it adds richness to the character. Uh, you know, I hate to be uh, uh, I hate to think about race in those terms, but in this case, the actual uh, background of the uh, the actor playing this character is valuable right it's a a supporting character i mean she's amazing and she yeah she rips 
the main character and almost acts like an antagonist. Yes, yes. Well, you never know is is she, that's the whole point and the, the why I thought she was such a good play. You never know uh you know, good character, bad character, good character, bad character. And really that lasts all the way up to the last episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's actually the the dual nature of a lot of characters in here. You never know which way they're they're going to go. Uh I it, sometimes some people thought that that uh, were, they were critical of that as sloppy writing, and I didn't think so. I thought it was uh, I thought it I thought it made things a little bit more unexpected because I could still I could still rationalize why people would do some of the things that they did. I didn't have as many problems with it as other people. Uh, but anyway, uh, the um, so there are these multiple flashbacks and one of the flashbacks they have the real key one that led essentially to their breakup eventually uh and we know why electra is doing this we find out later on she's basically doing this because she's under orders but we won't go that far but she does take matt to the the home of roscoe sweeney who we have not seen i think since the second episode of the first season is the first That's episode right. or the second episode it's it's i think it might be the second I mean, yeah, I think it's he second. meets him. He meets him at the boxing ring. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, in the first season, the boxing ring. Uh, and Matt is blind at that time, but obviously he knows what he looks like. Uh, and uh, she takes him to the uh, the home of this guy, and basically, for Matt, you know, bound, this guy bound and gag for Matt to kill, and. That's just not a line that Murdoch will ever cross. So, it, I mean, again, it's like she is almost like his sins, if you will. Like, like it's oh, just, yeah. it's like I am, I am the dark side. But like, we can have so much fun together. We yeah. can, and we're we're one in the same. And and it, it really whips his mind apart. I mean, she's deep in his psyche. Yeah. It's uh, it's delightful that way, and that that goes to the whole thing I was talking about, you know, good or bad or whatever. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance there. So back in the you know the, those are the flashbacks back in the present day. She you know they have the conversation in the apartment, which he basically tells her to screw off and get out. But she's coming to him for quote unquote help. Uh, in this complicated. Um, you know, you understand it later on, but it was, I thought, a little too complex to understand, you know, the Roxxon Corporation and the, right. the Yakuza and all this other shit going on. Like, how, did, <laughs> well, how are they ever yeah. going to tie all this crap together? And they do, more or less, but good It was God. worrisome. It was yeah. very worrisome for me because I thought, wait a minute, this is, am I missing stuff? Am I, am I not watching this correctly and i mean there's a re this this episode in particular is kind of like one of those milestones like you have to you have to just allow it to happen because it's crucial if you if you didn't have this episode you would be really messed yeah. but um it, it it started to scare me like oh boy did the guys bite off more than they can chew and this story is going to get real convoluted real quick 
it did get convoluted, but not, it didn't get convoluted that way, <laughs> which was funny. Uh, they had a, they had a couple of more episodes of the, the rocks on crap before you really find out who the big bad is here. Right. And it, it, it and part of it is a, uh, is a distraction. But the other thing in the, uh, the episode is, you know, you're getting back to this dual nature of that. He, that he and Karen, you know, go out on the, the tray awkward date. Mm-hmm. Uh, that looks like it's just totally going to go off the rails until they decide to not do something proper, but do something, you know, a little spontaneous, which you're almost happy for them to. And I love the thing where she's, because he can't, uh, uh, they went to a, was it a Vietnamese restaurant or it was a really interesting, uh, I can't remember the restaurant, but it's this marvelously colorful, the set is just I wonder if they designed that set for that or they actually found a place that looked like this because it's just gorgeous and it's beautifully photographed. But the best part is Karen describing the place to Matt. I thought that was really cool. You know, and she's the caring and nurturing one. You know, it's yeah. like it, it it's almost like uh, like she's, you know, the, the, the soft versus the hard. Yeah. And, you know, it, again, you do these splits. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was surprising. Do we get in this episode where now Matt's split of time is starting to get in the way of the actual lawyering? Oh, uh, yeah, because, well, it's not this one, it's the next... A little bit in this one, but it's the next one, which is, uh, which is a good transition. Regrets only. This is mm-hmm. where basically, because the, there's the confrontation at the end of the episode. Um, uh, the you know because I think what's the next episode? The people versus. Uh, no, no. At the name of the episode seven. Is not that, but essentially it's the, you know, the trial starts in episode seven. That's right. Because because he says, I'm not guilty. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And, uh, but that's at the end of episode six, not episode five. That's right. Uh, Kimbaka uh, is mostly about, uh, 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 basically, uh, Basically, it's the setup. It's the origin story of the relationship between Matt and Electra, Electra, and it's after the date. Uh, the end of the episode is, you know, after his date with Karen, something's bubbling up inside him, and he goes to find Electra and confront her, and he wants to know why she did that to him, why she, you, she took him to the home of Roscoe Sweeney ten years ago. And that's when, as you were saying, you know, she talks about, you know, finding that darkness in him. But she's also set him up because the Yakuza, uh, Yakuza or they think the Yakuza, uh, and that's not who they are, are converging on the building. And uh, she's getting into her Electra uniform, and she has uh, Matt's costume with her. She's 
she stole him the uh, the daredevil suit and and so the beginning of the next episode regrets only is you know the big fight scene uh daredevil and electra uh subduing the um uh i i guess it was like what 10 12 or more people the people coming up on motorcycles oh my gosh yeah, it was, it was you know, like a another small set art. piece. Yeah, it was another set piece, smaller, and it's beautiful battle inside. It's very, very, very well done, but it's nowhere near as good as the battle that is toward the end of this episode. Regrets only. So anyway, they have that battle, and they talk in the diner in the morning. You know, it's like the meal after sex. They didn't have sex, but mm-hmm, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the fight. It's like a, uh, you know, it it it. Uh, it fills that slot, and uh, Matt's really impatient with her, but he agrees to continue helping her because he wants to get rid of the he wants to get rid of the what they think are the yakuza uh, out of Hell's Kitchen. Um, so they go back. Uh, uh, he goes back to the office after getting out of the diner first thing in the morning, and that's when the uh, the guy who's assigned as the public defender. Uh, yes, for the Punisher. real stooge. Yeah, he's a he's a great little character actor. He's he's been in other series and uh, he was in Eureka. You ever watch Eureka? One or two of them. Yeah, he's in Eureka or was in Eureka when it was on. Um, <clears throat> but he's obviously a knucklehead, and so they think you know this can't be right, and so they have the big argument about Matt saying, "Well, we we ought to try defending Castle to to make sure." he doesn't get the death penalty and he can finally convinces foggy of that. So they go to the hospital, uh, to try to talk to, uh, castle, uh, and, uh, their friend, the, uh, patrolman is now a, uh, detective, detective. sergeant. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, is the person on duty guarding him and they go in to talk to him and then they get the uh uh they come out and that's when Reyes uh tries to muckle into them again and uh Matt actually does a really uh, with an assist by Foggy does a really good job of setting a trap for Reyes you know when she you know she tries to box them out for conflict mm-hmm, of interest mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's a great you know, if you love the legal shit, it's uh, I I actually got a kick out of that. But the thing is, you know, Castle actually wants them for his attorneys, so they start that whole process of figuring out how they can do that. Uh, you know, and prepare for this uh, this trial. When knock knock on the door, it's one of Electra's goons. And, That's right. And Matt has to play hooky and throw it all in the lap of uh of foggy and karen but the funny thing is uh foggy and karen go in to talk to frank and frank doesn't want to talk to uh foggy he wants to talk to karen <laughs> he makes a connection with her which again this and then here we have again the splitting of time okay matt's going off in one direction while you know his job is to be a lawyer and yeah. so that starts this is the beginning of, of some friction between Foggy and Nelson yet again. So as a working man, does this really hit home for you? 
Okay. It really does. And just to think about this, you know, you work a, let's say an eight to nine hour day. Think about trying to do daredeviling in the off time. You know, you would never sleep. So you've got to be able to like, uh, I got to go to the bathroom and two hours later I come back. I mean, that, that's the way you'd have to do it. I mean, it would just be insane. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so what comic books are is they're a, a grossly exaggerated form of time management. No, no, uh, reality in the sense. So oh, okay. <clears throat> they're taking this situation, a person who has a, a job uh, and essentially uh, a disability, uh, you know, challenges enough and then complicating his life times, you know, a hundred. And so, uh, you know, how do we torment this guy even more? So obviously he doesn't want to do this, but he also does want to do it. When they get to the party uh, at this place, Matt's obviously in a way enjoying himself, figuring out how to get inside the building to steal this. Because what Electra wants him to do, we forgot to mention this, uh, she wants help uh, stealing a, this getting ledger. Getting a ledger. Yeah, it's a yeah. ledger. Uh, from the Roxon Corporation. And this is actually kind of a fun little interlude, them doing this thing, uh, getting this other goon in um, in trouble uh, with um, what appear to be Japanese agents um, and basically running around in the dark inside uh the yakit uh is this still the yakitomi building and not the nakatomi building not to die <laughs> oh, hard there we're gonna bring bring up that movie yeah i think so i think uh, yeah, so it's still the yakitomi building and so uh they uh they do that and they have uh some really great scenes in there the fight through the uh frosted glass oh you know, is it really, it's not long. I mean, it's not like the stairwell fight from the third episode. Certainly is nowhere near long. It's like 45 seconds tops, but it's just with these flashes of light and everything else. It's just beautiful photography and it all looks very, very real and very, very violent. Uh, and then the thing where to actually get out when they get cornered by too many people, you know, they fake being drunk and uh and you know trying to molest each other and so what's obvious is that daredevil really loves his work yes matt murdoch he's rekindled with electra as his partner yes which is also by the end of the episode aggravating the shit out of him too Yes. so what's going on at the same time though is this thing where uh Karen gets um uh Frank to agree to pre plead guilty. Uh and Foggy gets a plea deal in so that basically and he comes in and finally talks to Frank and Frank allows him to talk to him and say, you know, you'll get life, but you know, they're not gonna kill you, they're not gonna like send you off for like lethal injection or something else like that. It's just it's everything's reduced down to one life sentence. And so he agrees to plead guilty and they get the Reyes and the judge in there. And then 
he has his moment and what everybody expects frank to do he does not do at all well so. because you know they 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 try to twist it to ptsd and he is not going to have any of it no he's definitely not ptsd so he goes off and says no not guilty and he he brings the uh, threat to reyes which i i was not expecting that which goes back to Karen's point from, I think, when she's first doing the investigation. Uh, and oh, by the way, this time, I think it was, uh, was it in Kimbaka or this episode where she she's going off and she's she's actually meeting with Ben Urich's old editor? Yes. And doing that now, kind of stuff. But she. Don, Don, now. You might know of this. There's something. There's there's a thing that I use um, called Safari. It's it's what we call a web browser. <laughs> oh wow! And I, I've heard that's going to catch on. Okay, <laughs> I, I think I think it might. I think you you know you you might know something about that. Um, it it would seem to me that there are other ways for Karen to do research than just looking old papers. I've heard that you can use this internet thing to to search. Um, multiple newspapers, if you'd like. Well, you know, here's the funny thing about that, because I I not only know something about web browsers, I also know something about newspapers, having worked in newspapers back in the, the 70s and 80s. I mean, that was one of my first jobs. And the rationale for having to look through all that paperwork is things were just not digitized. That is so true of the newspaper industry. If they're, really? oh yeah, it's it's not as true anymore. But they're, um, uh, I mean the the New York Times has finally got all their stuff digitized. But your basic bumfuck, you know, smaller papers, you know, they they are they are one bad fire away from you know all their archives not existing anymore. Holy I mean, smokes. Yeah, well, so literally, speak. yeah. So I actually found that completely believable. Plus, part of the rationale, too, was uh, I think that somehow some of the records were damaged in the New York invasion, right? Yeah. The Avengers uh, <clears throat> invasion. So no, those guys, those guys don't care about anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. eventually it's going to go to a civil war. Yes. <laughs> This weekend, I hear. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, getting back. So, Castle goes nuts uh, in that meeting, which I thought was great. And, of course, Matt knows nothing about this because he's playing hooky, uh, do a, you know, trying to do the dirty work for Electric, Electra and dancing with her at the same time, basically. So, when he gets back... Uh, I guess is it to his apartment or or, the, or to the firm office? I, f- I can't remember where it was. Uh, he's it's the firm office. That's right. And basically, Foggy comes down on him hard about being, you know, the being absentee. There. Yeah, being uh, being absent, and tells him the great exciting news that because Frank wouldn't agree to the deal. Uh, Reyes has moved up the trial to basically start right away, like, you know, not the next day, but close to it, right? 
not enough time to prepare good opening arguments. Uh, or defense or anything. Yeah, basically right. they have no time. Uh, so, you know, if you could have... But, but as screwed up as Matt's work and work separation, because he's basically got two jobs, right? That's right, that's right. His, his life separation is... It just gets worse. <laughs> I mean, episode six is only the start. Uh, uh, yeah, it really is. I mean, we, we, we're splitting Matt Murdock and Daredevil in two and then splitting the characters again, like again splitting them. So we've got kind of almost four different storylines kind of threading around each other. Yeah. And there's a story between, and and I can't figure this one out. And I'm trying to keep it keep it um, under tow a little bit. But why is it that that Frank has this connection with Karen? Um, I I always get the feeling that it kind of. This was just sort of due to her nature, her natural nature. It was almost like a, and the fact that she, the first time she met him and came at him, she showed him the picture of his family. So to him, in a way, Karen is a, a backdoor connection to his family. Mm. And yeah, I, his, you know, I, his, that, that, it, it's basically yeah, his sense. humanity. It's a, it's a connection to his humanity. So, because nobody else has treated him like they believe him, which is kind of odd because essentially Frank was trying, uh, well, he was trying to kill the other guy, but she happened to be next to him. Um, uh, why would Karen do this? And I, I think that part of this is this streak of integrity or trying to do the right thing. I mean, in, in their own way, all of these characters Certainly Matt, you know, because he's the superhero. But Foggy and Karen, they're all like virtuous people trying to do the right thing and doing it very badly. You know, Frank doesn't lie. He he has told no lies in all of this. I mean, everything he says is is the truth. And it's not even like truth by omission. I mean, it's, it's what he says. No, it's not PTSD. You know, this is what I do. And... I think it's right. Yeah, that was part of the. Uh, that was actually part of the conversation he had with, um, back in Penny and Dime, uh, with Finn Cooley and with Daredevil when he's out laying against the gravestone. Yeah, I mean he's he's very open and honest, and I think I think that there's that that's something actually in his bizarre. Anti-hero, hero way is to be kind of commended. You know, he 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 does. He's 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 the trigger man. That's what he does. Yep. It's it's a it's a fascinating character, and they've really peeled back a lot of the glitz and glamour about it. And you know, this guy this guy has a hard life. I mean, he kind of he sticks to himself, and his only friend really was that dog. Yep. The one that he met. Uh, 
getting back to the overall arc here, uh, I would say that uh, a good way, you know, to take breaths on this series uh, is actually, uh, in many ways, at least for the first six episodes, is in threes. I think one through three are really good, you know, first bite, especially with the ending of three with that just spectacular uh, battle. Mm-hmm. And four through six are uh, also a very, very interesting, you know, uh, uh, bite. And it, it's about the most you can stand in one sitting on one bladder. Yeah, uh, after you after you throw up, um, uh, seeing few, Finn get his uh, face uh, hold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so I I actually liked this part quite a bit, and it reminded me. Um, did it? It didn't actually remind me of the first season of Daredevil so much. Uh, as it reminded me of, um, just, you know, it kind of reminded me of grittier m- cop movies from the seventies of all things. It just had that, it just had that like kind of nasty, you know, I almost expect Al Pacino to wa- a young Al Pacino to walk in somewhere in this thing. So... <laughs> Well, yeah, it's almost it's 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 there's that density of superhero, but then you add that whole law legal procedural that yeah. really takes it to a different level. Like you know, some people watch Law and Order, and it's that same kind of feeling, like where you've got multiple things going on with multiple characters, but you know, it's it's actually tighter than that, and these things are rubbing against each other, and obviously, I coming coming to fruition and going to start a fire. Yes. Well, they certainly uh uh they certainly started a fire with uh with uh, Electra there. And it's a, it's a great way to introduce her to. I mean, Penny and Dime is uh, uh might might be Bernthal's best episode. Absolutely. Again, the, the, yes. But yes. he's got He's still got some really good moments in the series. And uh, of the three, Penny and Dime is probably the best episode. And I'd say the next best is uh, Kimbaku episode five. Uh, That is the whole, you know, centered around the flashbacks. Because the story behind Matt and Elektra is, is, and the performance and the chemistry there is, is very, very interesting. There's something about this show. There's something about it. Yep. Very tightly organized. All right, well, boss, we, did we cover it? I think we did. I mean, that is, we. I think we did really well. We three should do it again sometime. That, oh, yes. Uh, three episodes in less than an hour. You got your money's worth, folks. That's right. And <laughs> how much did you actually pay? Nothing. <laughs> And you get this kind of this kind of this kind of depth. Ah. Yeah. That kind of that kind of coverage. Uh all right. You wanna you wanna take us out, boss? Ladies and gents, we will see you next time for what was it? Seven eight nine. Let's see if that triptych works. All right. Okay. See y'all. 